fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is the middle of the week. Greatest day of the entire week, man. I'm telling you, we are setting that tone each and every day. We are excited. We are energized. We are pumped up. We are ready to rock and roll for another one here, which is what we do on the show every single day. Welcome into it. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. We love you to death. Appreciate you so much for joining us. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Big show lined up today, man. There's a lot to talk about, obviously. Things going on at the southern border that continue to heat up. But Texas is the new talking point and trending on Twitter right now. Will Texas secede from the union as that conversation has arisen again with the ongoing battle against the federal government. We'll talk some about that in a little bit. We have Ted Griffith. He is a communication professional joining us on the show. He is uh, at the bottom of the hour. He'll be on his latest book, The Theater of Lies. How easy is it to spread a lie? How can you tell what is misinformation or lies? And can we correct course here in the nation by actually having truth and common sense and practicality and cognitive thinking and just unveiling that layers of the onion just a little bit more? Why? Because we're sick and tired of the fake news, if you know what I mean. You are fake news. So we'll get to that with Ted at the bottom of the hour. Looking forward to chatting with him. Want to start off on the election campaign trail for just a moment. Bad news bears for the Biden administration, which we do get our update from him every day. You doing all right, buddy? Feeling okay? I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Making sure we do our daily check-in with Joe Biden every day here. We care because we care on the program. <laughs> we want to make sure that he's healthy and doing all right. Truly, I really are, buddy. I mean, you feeling all right? Come on, man. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm telling you. All right. On the campaign trail, bad news bears for the Biden administration. While he is trying to jack himself up on as many steroids as possible to be on the campaign trail, he is not getting a whole lot of support from the Muslim community across the nation. Oh, my. Obviously, with the ongoing tension with Israel and the Middle East right now, that many in the Muslim community, Palestinians especially, feel that Joe Biden has not done enough in supporting their cause and supporting their community and ending this uh, conflict and creating a ceasefire by putting pressure on Israel. And they despise the fact that we are standing with Israel, which is an ally, which we said we were going to be an ally, which is our strongest ally in the region. And they're upset that we're not standing down and forcing Israel to stop the ongoing assault into Gaza, destroying the homes and families of individuals, which, I mean, let's be honest, is obviously a terrible ordeal. Maybe we should blame the the right individuals for that situation, which should be, I don't know, Hamas. But nonetheless, the Muslim community not very happy with the Biden administration. In fact, so unhappy that according to MSN.com today, that the Muslim community and Arab community in the state of Michigan has openly and advocated now for the fact that they're not going to be voting for Joe Biden in the general election of 2024. Ah, that's pretty crazy, right? I mean, right? Yeah, so that one's a little bit uh, of an upsetter for Joe Biden. And he's been campaigning up there quite a bit, obviously. He's been working with the unions. That's has been his main focus, has been the auto unions. Is You know, you obviously can't afford a living at $80,000 a year. We need to make it $100,000 a year. We're going to go on strike and say, let's stick it to the man when it comes to the auto companies trying to make a buck and actually trying to produce a product and trying to make you get paid based on the 
wage that the private market and laissez-faire capitalist economics would actually set for you, and then lowering inflation so that way you can afford to live on that price. I know it's a wild concept, but instead he goes out and he pickets and openly says that, well, you can't afford to live on your decent wage at my economic value by creating inflation that's up 20% in the past three years. So I'm going to stand here and pick it with you as the first sitting president to ever do so. He's so focused on them, he's forgotten the fact that there is another community in the state of Michigan. And in fact, it's a relatively large community in the state of Michigan, for sure, the Muslim community that's up there is now they say that they're no longer going to be supporting Joe Biden. As the different organizations uh, with uh, many individuals, according to the MSN story, that the Arab American and Muslim voters in Dearborn, Michigan, say that they will not be supporting Joe Biden in the effort. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to be voting for a Republican and by default, let's say Donald Trump right now, if he gets the nomination, which it looks like he will, that they will not be voting for him either. So according to the organization, they're either voting third party or they're just not going to show up and vote at all in a protest against Joe Biden for not being tough on the nation of Israel. Now, frankly, I don't really care which one they choose to do. Obviously, they're not going to vote Republican. They should. I think that they would understand the Republican values and conservative values would align very nicely with them. I've told the story many times on this program that a few years ago, it's been a while, we need to get him back on, though. But in the Wichita area here where I'm based out of, there is the Islamic Society of Wichita. And it's the large mosque that's in town. I've talked to the imam. He's come on the program before, Hussam Mahdi. At least that was his name if he's still there. And he's come on, and I'll never, I will never forget this conversation. It was the coolest conversation we've ever had. We were sitting off the air uh, in between commercial breaks or before the program started. And he asked me, he goes, so you're a, you're a talk show host? And I said, yeah. I said, he's like, what does that mean? I said, I'm a conservative talk show host. And he says, what does this conservatism mean? And I explained to him. Like we talk about on this program, the three pillars of conservatism, limited government, right to life, liberty, and private property. That we believe in limited government. We believe in the privacy. We believe in the Second Amendment. We believe in the Constitution. We believe in us just living our life and letting everyone be able to excel on their own. You do your thing. I do my thing. Everything's hunky-dory. And I'll never forget it. After I explained what conservatism was, at least to me, he took a deep breath. He sat back in his chair. He looked up. And he pondered and he said, if conservatism is what you say it is, then I'm conservative too. And I'll, I'll never forget that conversation. It was the, the wildest thing. And it made me click. That light bulb came on in my mind that conservatism wins in every argument when we at least explain what our policies are, what our philosophy of life is. Not by political parties of Republican, Democrat, not by explaining that, you know, we believe against this and we believe against this and blah, 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 and go very like militant on it. But just this is what we believe. This is our philosophy of life. This is how we view the world. This is how we view opportunities for everyone. This is how we view success for everybody. And when we explain those values, the messaging that Republicans apparently suck at doing, people get won over. Now, I don't know if he votes Republican. I don't know if he votes conservative. I don't know if he even remembers that conversation, but it stuck in my mind. And that was years ago on this radio program before we went with more radio station that we're on right now. After that, I got to tour the mosque and it was a it was a beautiful thing. And they were all happy to see me. And he introduced me as he's Republican, but he's open minded because there's this message that Republicans are Islamophobic, that, that there's this message, this mindset that Republicans hate the Muslim community. And that's not the case. I'm sure there's some idiots out there like that. 
that should be on the Democrat side because they focus so much on identity politics. Or, you know, because people are so uh, close-minded about having other people's views of opinion on culture or religion or whatever that, you know, they just shun them out there when we're about anybody that believes in individual sovereignty. And that's what we believe in. So they should be voting for our side, but they're not going to. And we have to come to that acceptance. So, but to me right now, I don't really care either way. They can vote with Republicans. They can not vote at all. They can vote third party. Doesn't really matter, does it? At the end of the day... They're not voting for Joe Biden in the state of Michigan. And in fact, that could be a make or break movement for him. According to CNN, they talked about the Muslim community and the Muslim vote in the state of Michigan for the 2020 election, where Michigan had more, at least at that time, more than 200,000 Muslim American voters with 150,000 roughly turning out to vote in 2020. Do you remember the difference in vote in the state of Michigan between Donald Trump and Joe Biden? Now, this is the official quote-unquote numbers, so if you believe in the whole you know, voter fraud thing, then that could differ. But let's just go with the numbers here for a second here, shall we? That according to, what is this, Wikipedia, just the basic numbers, the popular vote in the state of Michigan, Joe Biden received 2.8 million votes, with, Joe, uh, with Donald Trump receiving 2.65 million votes, roughly 150,000 vote difference. Could that be the 150,000 that turned out is the Muslims? in the Muslim communities of Michigan that voted for Joe Biden that may not show up in 2024 and could swing the election to Donald Trump, at least in the popular vote for the state of Michigan in 2024, if that is that head matchup again. Interesting concept. And this is not just Michigan. This is all over the nation with them upset with how Joe Biden's handling this situation. I just want to put that good news into your ear today because, man, Joe Biden struggling on the campaign trail. He's trying so hard, man. He's trying so hard to be out there, act like he's spry again, act like he's going to talk to the people, act like he's going to have all these big rallies. He's trying so hard, and it's not quite working out for him. That being said, let's talk about some big issues going on in D.C., shall we? What's trending today? I kind of like starting off the day with good news. That being said, there is a bill that could be voted on in the House of Representatives by this evening after being passed in the Senate on a tax bill. Show of hands, anybody know that there was actually a tax bill being discussed? Did anybody actually know that was happening? We haven't heard about it until, like, voila, the mainstream media tells us now all of a sudden there's a tax bill that's passed in the Senate Headed to, the, uh, headed to the House, and Speaker of the House Mike Johnson approving of it, endorsing it, and then wanting to fast-track it and expedite this bill so that way they can show that Congress is doing something throughout this session. They got some pushback when last year they wrapped up the end of the year by having the least amount of bills actually being passed in the legislature because of the bickering between the two different parties controlling the two different chambers by going three weeks without a Speaker of the House altogether in between Kevin McCarthy and Mike Johnson, that they want to show that there's something being done. And this something is a tax bill. Now, we don't know a whole lot of the bill because they haven't told us a whole lot. Remember that whole, like, we're going to keep it uh, uh, transparent for 72 hours where everybody, the American public, can actually read these bills, know what's in it, know what's going on? I don't know that that's necessarily happening, but this is the first time we're hearing about it with this ongoing tax discussion. And with all the news articles that I can find on the bill, you know what's not being mentioned? I'll give you a second to ponder that one. A tax bill that was passed in the Senate, ready to be voted on in the House, that's going to be a cost of $78 billion with a B. You know what's not being mentioned in this bill whatsoever, or at least the details that the media is talking about? Tax rates! You, you, would, you would think! 
think, hold on here, I know what you're thinking. You would think that during a tax bill, there would be a conversation about a changing of certain tax rates for individuals. Maybe cutting taxes, maybe increasing taxes, but taxing, uh, changing the rate and the percentage of what you're actually being taxed across the nation. None of that is mentioned in any of the mainstream media articles talking about the tax bill. The only thing that's being mentioned, the only thing that's being talked about at all, are child tax credits. Now, according to The Hill that talks about this tax deal, they say the child tax credits are being extended and trying to be beefed up just a little bit. Not like the child tax credit, a.k.a. universal basic income that we saw during the COVID-19 pandemic, where you didn't even have to qualify in order to file your taxes in order to receive a child tax credit a.k.a. the government just sending you money because you have a kid, whether you actually make enough money to pay taxes or not. That's not happening here, but they are beefing up the child tax credits and extending them uh, into the next year. Again, that's the major conversation. And the concern now, which is why Mike Johnson is wanting to expedite this bill and go a little bit faster with this one. Quickly, Joel, there's no time. Quickly! <laughs> That's what they're trying to do right now, the Fast and Furious. Yeah, Republicans are trying to do it now as well. Mike Johnson wanting to expedite the bill to get a two-thirds vote on it in the House of Representatives as opposed to the simple majority because they're concerned about moderate Republicans killing off the bill because of certain tax incentives and tax breaks that they want to give that they want to include that are not included in this bill. Not conservatives, although conservatives do have some issues with the bill as well. But overwhelmingly, they say that there's support from both sides of the aisle to get rid of the fringe right and the fringe mods so Democrats and Republicans can unite, hold hands, work together, and pass a tax bill that doesn't do anything about changing tax rates at all. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. So we have a tax bill that doesn't change tax rates. What it does do, however, is just adds tax credits over here, gets rid of tax credits over there. Mike Johnson, however, Speaker of the House, is endorsing the bill, advocating for Republicans to push for it. And overall, they say they will have a relatively unified bipartisan passage of the bill in the House of Representatives later on tonight. $78 billion worth of spending on that one. Uh, they need two-thirds majority because of the expedited vote that they have on this one. Some moderate Republicans not liking it because they don't extend some of the, what they call SALT, the local and state sales tax deductions that they have in this bill. Some conservatives not liking it because they say that there was some concern about child tax credits going towards illegal aliens in the nation. They say, however, that's not necessarily the case. According to the New York Times, here's all we know about the bill. We don't have the, the legislation in front of us. We don't have the details. Here's what we know according to the New York Times. The package would expand the child tax credits, though a version substantially scaled back from its pandemic era level. Oh, oh. <laughs> The uh, universal basic income, a.k.a. child tax credits that we saw during the pandemic, uh, along with restoring a set of bonus, uh, set, uh, along with restoring a set of business tax breaks related to research and development and capital expenses. OK, both would last through 2025, and it will also bolster low income housing tax credits and extend tax benefits to disaster victims. The plan would be financed, the $78 billion being financed by curbing the employee retention tax credit 
that was a pandemic-era measure meant to encourage employers to keep workers on the payroll that has become a magnet for fraud, according to the IRS and the federal government. So the way they're going to fund this is by getting rid of that tax credit. We're no longer going to incentivize you to hire employees any longer. And that money that will start coming in by ending that credit will be able to finance us to increase the amount of child tax credits that we're seeing in the nation. You know what would solve this entire problem? Just throwing it out there. Simplifying this tax code and either going fair tax, flat tax, by consolidating tax rates, by just letting people, you know, be able to have more money to spend on stuff. I don't know. It's a wild concept, but that's something that obviously won't happen with, number one, how much debt we're in in the nation. And with Democrats controlling things, they would never advocate for any type of tax cut at all. And when they do, they pretend to, like we've seen here in Kansas where I'm at, we've seen our governor advocate for it and then veto the bill when Republicans give her a tax cut bill. So Democrats would never go for that. And until we actually get Republicans back on track and implement, I don't know, like a Donald Trump tax plan again, where we actually saw tax cuts, then we're not going to see a spurring of the economy while they try to tell us the economy is growing and flourishing right now under the Biden administration. So this tax bill is essentially a nothing burger. And they pride it as number one, being a bill that's bipartisan that we can all get behind. They're passing a bill that really doesn't change a whole lot except for moving things around and shifting things around here and there. A nothing burger that they want to unite behind to show the American people that they can unite and get something done in Congress. Because I've never heard of a tax or a tax bill that doesn't talk about any tax rates. Now, again, it might, but we don't have the details of the actual bill because right now it's just, we got to do it fast. Got to do it right now. Quickly, Joel. There's no time. Quickly. That's what we're up against right now. And... I would like to see it slow down just a little bit. And if some Republicans do have a concern and if they don't pass it with a simple majority with Republicans getting on board, there's probably some reason why. And there's probably a reason for us to do that, because if we're going to do it, let's do something like like I actually do. I don't mean do something by just like doing something to feel like we've done something. I mean, like actually doing something when we pass a bill. Let's cut tax rates by 10 percent across the board for everybody. That would be doing something in the mindset of the Democrats. They would lose their minds. They would go crazy. But if they pass something now, all of a sudden they're successful and they're happy. something done man they're happy when we come back we'll shift gears a little bit misinformation and lies how do we weed it out how do we recognize it and how can we fight it in the new century that we're in with ted griffin we'll do that right around the corner right here on the voice of reason this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we do here on this program. Trying to break down the big issues of the day in a commonsensical fashion, which is an unheard of minority in society apparently today. But we do our darndest. Welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time in our multiple radio stations all over the place i want to shift gears a little bit we'll get back to the tax bill that doesn't change taxes 
in Washington, D.C. Kind of a fascinating bill there to show unison between the two sides, singing singing Kumbaya, holding hands together, and showing that they can do something in Congress. Look, if you're going to do something, do something substantial. So, interesting. We'll have some more details on that a little bit later. But I want to shift gears a bit and get to our guest of the day. What's trending today? Which I cannot wait to have this conversation. Going to be a fun one. Misinformation and lies in society. It seems like today there are two separate realms that people live in. There is reality, and then there is what we try to make reality. It's very fascinating to watch where uh, you could look at a single thing and have two people look at it entirely different, which I find intriguing and I'm totally cool with. But when you start arguing that this is the only way, that's it's a weird thing in today's times when we have misinformation and fake news out there all the time. You are fake news. I know. When you actually have that being spread out all over the place, uh, then you try and tell people this is fact. And in the political world, obviously, it gets very dirty. It gets very messy. It gets very angering. It gets very emotional. But there's a lot of misinformation that goes out there. For example, and I'm not just picking on one side or the other right now, but for example, two impeachments that happened on a former president when they're like, you know, he colluded with Russia, when there was zero evidence of collusion with Russia. And yet they still stand firm to it. It's very strange how that's the narrative, but yet that's the truth. But yet, was it really? Talk about some more of this and more. Really happy to have on uh, the program today with his new book coming out this month, Theater of Lies, Misinformation Divides Us with Purpose, How to Protect Ourselves and Why We Must. Excited to have on the program here at Ted Griffith. Ted, how are you, my friend? Thank you very much. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. I love this topic because it, it seems to me, Ted, that nowadays with social media, with different, so many different media outlets, so many different types of media that there are, that it is so easy to spread some type of misinformation or lies out there that it makes our job more difficult to decipher through what's right and what's not right, isn't it? Absolutely, because what I found through well, four years of research on this is an unfortunate fact, and that is that facts don't matter. Mm. People don't make decisions based on facts. They base them on how the message resonates with them emotionally. Yeah. We follow our biases, we follow our ideologies, and if something fits that, we agree with it. A fact fits it, then we agree. If it doesn't fit it, then we don't agree. Um, we make our decisions based on how it resonates with us emotionally. That's where we are. And the producers of lies and misinformation, all sides of the aisle, whatever you know, in, in business and in politics, uh, organizations, yeah. they take advantage of that fact. They know it. They're just as smart as we are. Sure. Yeah, I always say that there are two types of individuals. There are There's the one type that are the quote-unquote bleeding hearts on both sides of the aisle, politically, uh, for example, that you know truly feel like what they're doing is going to change the world, is going to do the betterment. And then there are those that are above them that recognize that there are the bleeding hearts that will do that bidding and play on that emotion to get their personal agenda across. And you can talk about the establishment, you can talk deep state, you can talk uh, corrupt politician, however you want to describe that. But there are those that recognize that and utilize that to the fullest extent by creating this type of misinformation, this type of emotional reaction, because we they kind of play us like a fiddle, don't they? The real point 
is, yes, they do, and they're really happy if other people are doing the, the lying and misinformation, that they can use them as almost like a snowplow to, to create the new, new world for them and, and deliver that information. Um, it doesn't actually have to be the producers of lies. What, what I found in my research and time in this is that the real danger is not the people that produce the lies and misinformation. It's the people who believe those lies and misinformation and repeat them to others. Because what happens is is that now you've got emotional resonance that I actually believe this quote-unquote lie, park that for a second, and I'm explaining it to other people. And now it resonates as a a fact because I believe it so much. That's the real key here, that we... We have to work on on getting the people who not just make the lies, produce the lies, but those who hear them and and and, and repeat them. I'll, I'll give an example. Um, Edgar Welch. Um, the uh, Ed, Edgar. Uh, do you know the name Edgar Welch? Yeah, the name sounds familiar, but uh, it's not ringing a bell okay. right now. Okay, on December sixteenth, twenty sixteen, he drove from his hometown to Washington, D.C., to a pizza parlor, mm, Comet Pizza. Yeah, yeah. And his car was loaded full of weapons and knives and explosives. That's right. Because he, he had heard that this pizza parlor was a den of iniquity and a front for pedophilia run by Democratic leaders. Mm. And he wanted to, quote-unquote, I needed to go to find out the truth and protect my children. Right. He went in there and shot the place up. Now, nobody died, but that's somebody who, as I call, as I call it the book, The Theater of Lies, who, who was sitting in the audience of the theater hearing the lies and misinformation and got up out of the audience and became part of the show. That's how powerful lies and misinformation would be to people. Um, that we take it, they, they take it and they act upon it, even though it's false. Yeah. Let's go back a little bit to where we got to a point of believing something without uh, tr- uh, without fact checking it, without making it make sense, without even some type of warning of like, huh, you know, is this really true or does this kind of raise up some type of red flag mentally for me to double check because this doesn't quite sound right. Not all the ducks seem to be in a row here. When did we get to the point where we do just kind of blindly follow? What happens is, and that's why I get back to the emotions. What, and the reason I call the book Theater of Lies is I, and I took, after a couple of years of research, to, to come up with that title because I realized that people who are organizations who are producing lies and misinformation follow the same structure of storytelling that television, film, theater, Hollywood uses. Mm. They put out a big problem. There's a hero that needs to solve it. There are barriers put in front of the hero that, that have to be overcome. And even the villains come out and, and they block the way. And at the end of the day, the hero saves the day. Yeah. You know, look at my, my favorite example is Die Hard, the, the movie, which is maybe familiar Which with. is a Christmas movie, by the uh, way. <laughs> yes, it is. I agree with that. It's a Christmas movie. My family and I, we watch it every year after, after Christmas. Day. That's right. And the... You know, what Bruce Willis's character goes through step by step is a series of barriers to, to ultimately, you know, people think of the story about terrorism, terrorists or, or bank robbers taking over Nakatomi Plaza. It's not. It's the story of a man who wants to get back together with his wife. Yeah. And all the barriers in between are 
about him getting to re- reconcile and get back together with his wife, which is how the movie ends. Big hugs and kisses. The That's how, if, if I want to manipulate you to get you beyond the facts that Nakatomi Plaza doesn't exist, that these bank robbers don't exist, draw you into the story. I create these narratives that show me as the hero who can solve the problems, who is taking on the, the, the big problems of the world, and I'm the only one that can solve them. And that's where we start to click off. Because when we're reading a book or we're going to the theater, you know, we just, what's called the process, of literature, you suspend your disbelief. We know this is entertainment, but we're just going to enjoy it. But it's hitting the same emotional buttons. It's hitting the same chemicals and the same hormones in our brains. And because we're allowing ourselves to sort of enjoy this or we're used to this narrative, that's when we start to disregard facts. Because what a, what emotional resonance does to somebody in a story? Yeah. It's that you had me at hello moment. You, um, I like the cut of his jib. I like the way he says things. Um, I like what they stand for. Okay. Those are things that are not about facts. They're about emotions. And we are letting our emotions rather than our critical minds uh, do that. It's, it's, uh, it's a basis, and I, and I know your, your listeners uh, deal with it every day. You deal with it every, every day. A lot of it's based on ideology. A lot of it's based on bias, which is simply organized bias. You put a bunch of people with the same bias together, and you create an ideology around it. Sure. And what happens with ideology and bias is they are curiosity killers. Something falls within the ideology I have. Then I don't have to challenge it. Yeah. Well, you you get into an echo chamber. I mean, you get into an echo chamber and you hear, you only hear what you want to hear, which means that some, unfortunately, are able to push that envelope further and further uh, within that to make it more extreme, even though you know, you don't necessarily want to go that extreme, but you just go along with it because, well, it makes sense with the ideology that I'm in. And I mean, I, I don't like echo chambers. I mean, I know that podcasting some talk radio, that certain news outlets, certain news organizations, they, they sit in their echo chamber. And, uh, you know, that's that's how that stuff gets created. There's not a whole lot of dialogue between the two sides anymore. And I think that whether we blame social media for it, whether we blame the media outlets for that itself, that there's a there's, there's a concern that we don't hear the other side to kind of bring us back down and kind of uh, bring us back to reality, so to speak, and find what's really true, which normally is somewhere in the middle to some degree. We're talking with Ted Griffith. He is author of the book Theater of Lies, which you can find online at ted at griffith.net. Ted, we got to take a break here real quick. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Thanks very much. I will. Perfect. Absolutely. I want to continue this conversation. I want to talk about how we can get out of this and how we can start solving this issue, understanding that there are a lot of lies out there and we have to decipher through them and bring us back to, I don't know, reality, which would be a wild concept. Lots more coming up here for the middle of the week on A Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Reason, common sense, rationale is what we do on the program each and every day. Got a few minutes left here of the show. Wrapping it up as we hang out with Ted Griffith. He is author of the book, Theater of Lies. Misinformation divides us with purpose. How to protect ourselves and why we must. And as we 
Talked about in the last segment, emotion, kind of a high driver to where misinformation can be slipped in. The lies with purpose can be slipped in and get people emotionally charged if they are in an echo chamber, if they are in their uh, ideology and they stay there without understanding what the other side's all about. And I can reference, you know, things on both sides that are frustrating. Being a conservative Republican myself, you know, I see a lot of that from the other side. When I literally hear George Stephanopoulos uh, on the mainstream media saying that if Donald Trump gets elected, that he would execute his political opponents and become a complete tyrant, which is the narrative from the left right now in this election season. When we hear about abortion issues and say that Republicans want women to die in the streets and that, uh, that that we don't care, we want them to be back in the 1950s without a job popping out babies in the kitchen, like that's a rhetoric that is a, a very strong, emotionally driven ard- argument that drives people to the polls. And here's the problem is that most of the time you have to find an emotional argument to get people to the polls or else, well, I'm too busy, I'm just not going to worry about it, not go out and vote and be part of the system, which is frustrating. So now the balance is how do we get people to get emotionally charged but do it in a positive manner in order to go out and vote but not do it in a malicious or negative type of way with some type of negative reaction. So, Ted, let's let's go there for a second and let's talk about how we solve this issue and get people to stop Take a breath, think about something logically for a second on whether it makes sense or not, but still be emotionally uh, involved enough to want to participate in the system. The the fundamental, which you've already already hit on, my summary is lies work. Mm. Lies and misinformation work to persuade people for purpose. That's not going to stop. It's it's like trying to turn off Niagara Falls. Okay. (laughs) That's my neighborhood of the woods. It's not going to stop. But that's why the focus of my book is about on on the solution side is we must become a better audience. It is up to us. We have to become a better audience for ourselves and be a better audience for our children and teach our children and their children to be a better audience. And that comes down to curiosity. Mm. We have to be curious, curious enough to ask the question, what if they're right? Hmm. What if the side that I don't believe is actually right? You don't have to take it on. You don't have to believe it. But just take your biases, take your, your ideology, just for a moment and park it. Don't worry. It's not going anywhere. It's still there. You can go back anytime you want. But for a moment, ask yourself the question, what if they're right? What would I like to know? Sure. What, 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 what are they saying that, that actually might influence me? Because if you don't park your ideology, if you don't park your biases, you stop listening. Okay? Now, I'm not saying one side or the other is right or wrong. Sure. But I'm saying there are good things in both sides of any argument. Because as, as you mentioned before, Andy, you know, this is great. It's complex. But we want, we've been trained through our lives that everything is a binary answer. Everything's a right or a wrong. <laughs> well, you know, we're hot dogs and hamburgers. We're dogs and cats. We're, I'm Canadian. You're American. Like, there's just everything's binary. And that's, again, what the, the producers of lies and misinformation take advantage of is they produce us with binary arguments. And, you know, I go back and I'm, I know you're a Conservative Republican, but I still and I still remember George Bush stating at the uh, State of the Union address, George Bush the Second, George W. Bush, "You are either for us or against us." Yeah. 
Sure. It allowed no room for nuance, debate, what ifs, maybe, do we know this, do we know that? It was like, no, you are the force or against us. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm proud as a Canadian that, you know, we went to Afghanistan with you, you know, along with 42 other countries that fought in Afghanistan against the Taliban. Sure. Um, so, you know, we were allowed to have nuanced discussions. But when you put things in binary, when anybody, frankly, it's a clue for you. If they're giving you binary option, this is right, this is wrong. Yeah. I will tell you they're trying to manipulate you. Trying to divide you into choice. Yeah. It, it draw, if they it, create new terms, like woke, okay? Woke was a term created by the left, sure. which they what, took from black. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're all right. right? We're, we're out of time, my friend. We're, we're all up here, but I love it. Oh. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, oh. the, it's that line drawn in the sand that... Uh, being able to understand and expand a little bit that can deepen your thoughts in one way or can be able to make you think about a little bit different. Ted, we got we love it. We got to get you back on the show again real soon, my friend. I appreciate that very much. We're out of time, though. Go check out the book, Theater of Lies, coming out this week. Until then, this is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hooger. We'll see you on the radio.